Hello and welcome to Advisory Advantage, the podcast where progressive accountants from around the world come to learn how to market, sell and deliver their advisory services to their small business clients. I'm MC Carter, founder and CEO of Practice Paradox. We're a global digital marketing agency specifically for accounting firms. And yet again, I'm ably aided and abetted by my good friend across the ditch, Richard Francis of Spotlight Reporting. G'day, Richard. G'day, MC. How are you going? I'm fantastic. It's great to uh, reconnect. And today we've got a brilliant interview lined up for you. We're speaking today with Paul Sweeney of Praetium Solutions out of Sydney. And today, listeners, what you're going to learn is what's driving Paul around doing advisory with his business clients. What's worked best for Paul in selling his advisory services? And also, we're going to look at the biggest lessons so far for Paul in terms of what's worked and what's worked a little less than expected along his journey towards doing more business advisory. But uh, over to you, uh, Richard, to open it up with Paul. Lovely. Thanks, MC. So just um, we, we might, before we dive into question one, just get a really brief kind of overview from Paul of, of who you are and what you're doing. That's okay. I'm Paul Sweeney, Pretium Solutions. Uh, we work with small and medium businesses to help them create the business that they want, not just have the business that they have. And we work at advising them on how to improve all aspects of their business from uh, sales processes, efficiency and record keeping, um, and right through to strategy, um, design and implementation and monitoring. And uh, we work mostly in Sydney area in the, in the Hills District, um, and it's an exciting place to be and exciting work that we do. Very good. So can I congratulate you, uh, first of all, on having a cricket photo behind you. I think all of us are cricket tragics on this call. Okay, it's an Australian cricketer, but, um, you know, <laughs> Gilly wasn't too bad, was he? No. A key, key of a success and also a guy that um, had some innovative ways of uh, approaching the game. And we'll have to put something in the show notes to explain to our North American listeners what we just spoke about there. Yeah, you might have to Google some of that stuff. Um, Paul, just uh, first of all, welcome, but uh, thrilled to see someone on the, on the call who has also uh, created a business from scratch in the advisory space as I did back in the day before founding Spotlight Reporting. Um, really just what, if you could start by giving us uh, an idea of, of kind of what drove you towards advisory, what, what did you uh, seize on as uh, your mission there at Pratium? I think it goes right back to when I was in high school and like I grew up in a country town in New South Wales and um, the impact of when a business closed in that country town, uh, even a small business had a, a big impact. And if a larger business closed down, that was almost close to catastrophic for the, for the town. Um, so you lost a lot of employment and a lot of trade and commerce. It was very hard to recover. So was there a way of helping business owners actually grow businesses and run them better so that we could avoid those situations? And when I started in accounting, I was working with a lot of small, medium businesses. And one of the frustrations for me was that these business owners didn't have any idea of how their business was actually performing. Most of the work we did for them was purely around compliance and often well after the event. Um, so I'm showing my age here, but when I started, there were no computers and no um, desktop accounting packages for small business. So there was a lot of ignorance about how well a business was actually going. And when we supplied the tax return, that was when they found out how they went 18 months ago, which is not a, a great position to be in. So I was right from the beginning looking for a way to improve that knowledge for business owners and improve um, their understanding of how their business works and what the implications were of their decisions. 
So, so Paul, did you start off by doing that within the context of the firm you were in, i.e. create a little bit of proactivity inside the firm, or did it really take you leaving and starting your own business for you to get your hands on the advisory wheel, so to speak? It's a bit of both, really. I, I started in an accounting role, and uh, I was fortunate that um, one of the first accounting desktop accounting packages was being released shortly afterwards. So we were involved in implementing that for clients. Um, so immediately they got a better handle on um, their information, but there were still a lot of delays and processes um, that weren't in place. Um, just putting a piece of software on their desk didn't really solve all the problems. I then moved into some other accounting roles and I was very fortunate to, to work with a boutique firm in the city where I got a lot of exposure to this idea of business advisory and working with clients, not just um, seeing the tax return or the financial statements as the end result, but moving beyond that and actually looking at what do those figures represent and what are the trends, what does it tell us about our business and what do we need to advise our clients? Uh, what are the discussions we need to have? And that was a mandatory, mandatory process um, that we all had to follow. And it sort of opened your eyes up to, well, there's a lot more going on to this business to just a set of figures. So what do these figures actually mean? Why has the profit changed so much? Why has the margin changed? What's going on in that individual client's business and how can we help them? So there was a, a catalyst to move forward there. And um, I was quite fortunate to have some really strong mentors in that process who encouraged me to, to take that further. Um, so we looked at designing models for uh, particularly around the farming industry, uh, we had a lot of primary producers. So we designed a, a model uh, which took that financial information, but we also introduced some non-financial um, uh, KPIs into there, such as um, their, their, their breeding rates, their product, uh, their, the um, uh, crop rotations, um, the, uh, the hectares that are being used. Uh, and we came up with a number of indicators that were more targeted to that industry and that helped us to actually give them better advice about uh, what they were planning to do in terms of, you know, what should they be doing in terms of growing their, their stock numbers or, or crops mm. or capital replacement. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's exciting to get involved in that right from the beginning. I think you've had on a couple of interesting points there. I know MC you want to pick this up, but having mentors as you grow through your business, and I think that's one thing accountants don't always do well. We're so used to advising ourselves that sometimes having mentors or external, both internal and external influences uh, can actually make all the difference to how you shape and form that bit of clay that becomes your own practice. Um, MC, do you have any, you must have seen the power of mentors uh, through your journey as well. Oh, absolutely. If someone's not currently being mentored, they're probably stagnating in their life. So uh, for sure. Um, I'm still mentored personally by someone that I worked with when I was 23. So that's over 10 years ago. No, actually, I think maybe 27 years ago. But for sure, you know, one of the phrases that jumped out at me that I took a note of, Paul, earlier when you said it was mandatory process with advisory. So I'll take that to mean with all of your clients, you looked at all of these, you know, the, the forecasts and the non-financials. And the way we describe that is you need to bake in advisory so it's not this thing you hope to sell it's just what it is that you do it's it's part of the standard offering uh, tell me more about that and uh, we'll talk in a moment about how you're now doing that but what did that look like back then mandatory I think it was a, a big culture shift because we had a lot of accountants come into the business into the practice and used to only doing tax they saw tax as the out as the outcome the final step in the process and we took it beyond that and it 
we got all of the team involved, um, right down to the junior accountants. They were involved in actually creating the, the trend analysis, um, and they, they were involved in that process. So the whole team that was working on that client would see what are the outcomes there. Um, it gave a different way of looking at the client. So the next time they went to a client, they weren't just looking at, well, hang on, let's get the trial balance right and, and make sure that our numbers tie into our work papers. But what does this client do? And how can we help them as a firm? And what ideas can I contribute to it? So it's important to have that process in there. And the reason we did it for everybody is that every client that you work with um, has a need. They, every client can run their business better. Uh, our role uh, with our financial background, our, our qualifications, our experience is to help them see uh, uh, um, ways that they can improve their business and, and also give them some direction on how they can do that. So if you're excluding some of your client base, you're treating them as second class citizens really, mm -hmm. or, you're, or you shouldn't be working with those clients to begin with. Um, so every client that comes through your door, you should be seeing as how can I get the best value for this client? And how can I create value? So that has to be ingrained in every process for every client. And it's important to have the whole team involved in the process. I've seen a lot of models where it's purely the, the partner or the director or the founder that does the face-to-face -face consulting and is, controls the whole process. The problem with that, you take that person out, the consulting business disappears because the, 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 the team working with them don't have the capacity or the knowledge um, to deliver that same process. So we've been very um, deliberate in how we've structured our, our services that we provide to our clients and the clients we work with to make sure that that is uh, a fundamental part of what we do and that every person involved in the job understands the whole process and how they contribute and then that they're involved in producing the information and also involved in some of the meetings so that the, the consulting and advisory process is delivered by the firm, not by the individual. Gorgeous. I so love the phrase cultural shift that you mentioned earlier, Paul. It, it starts from the top. Clearly, it's a leadership thing. And to bring about change in a business, the best change management model that I've ever used and that we use daily with our clients is to create changes in your life. It's mindset, skills and systems in that order. So mindset and culture same thing. How do you look at things? You know, what is your view of the profession of your role as an accountant? The old school ones you were saying viewed the tax return, the tax outcome as the end of the process. But for you, that's just a, very important, clearly, but just part of, of the whole mix. So, yeah, it's got to start with the leadership and the culture. Beautiful. I think one of the interesting points, um, MC, that was raised there by Paul, if, if we unpick it, is, you know, you've hit on um, a lot of what we see at Spotlight, you know, in, in the kind of thousands of firms we're now dealing with, where there's an alpha who often tries to concentrate everything in their own hands. So I love the fact that you're spreading the love across the team. But I'd love, Paul, for you to expand on that a little bit too. If you can talk to us about who you hire and why and what kind of training and education resourcing do you undertake well, I think we go back to to before that hiring process and as, as the owner of the business, um, needing to be very clear about who we work with, what we do for them and how we want to do that. So what is the process? So uh, by identifying the clients that we're going to work with, the services we're going to provide and that process and the process is very important and I'd like to expand on that a bit more. But in our recruitment process, we used our methodology as a way of explaining to candidates how we were going to work with clients. Now, if a candidate 
couldn't understand or wasn't getting excited about that process and what it did for clients, then we didn't pursue that candidate any further. Uh, the clients that, uh, so the candidates that grabbed hold of that process and got excited and understood and could see how that they could contribute to it, they were the type of people we want as part of our team. Mm. Uh, it's very important that any member of our team can clearly articulate what our process is and the benefits for the client, how we solve their problems, um, because it's not just a one-person band. It, it's Pretium Solutions. It's not just Paul Sweeney delivering uh, a suite of products. So it's very yeah. hard to, um, to get uh, you know a lot of excitement out of a pool of accountants. So you probably self-selected reasonably quickly because mm. uh, you're wanting you know without being too facetious, you are wanting people who can get a passion about business, show a little bit of charisma, ask the questions, but also listens. So there's a different skill set there, isn't there? It's a very different skill set, and I think. Um, accountants are still as an industry still slowly transforming we have obviously the 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 leading edge and the the uh, the people out there um you know setting the standard but we still have a very large industry that's that's very slow to turn around from being compliance driven to to actually value driven in in the services we're delivering to clients so that filter or lens, if you like, that you put right at the start in your recruiting, as Richard said, it's, it's self-selecting. And not only do they need to get it intellectually, they need to have that natural enthusiasm to see that, wow, Pradium Solutions is actually going to make a big difference to our business clients. We're not just here to you know, report numbers. We're here to you know, make an impact. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And um, so the next stage, I think, Richard, you asked about the, the, tr the onboarding process and the training. So right from the beginning, the training that we provide is around that consulting basis and, and you know, how to actually uh, engage in clients, interviewing technique, what questions to ask, how does our process work? So at each different stage of our process, what are we trying to achieve for the client? So we'll um, identify our training requirements to each of those stages of the process so we're not just talking about technical things about how to prepare a set of kpis or a cash flow statement but how to actually engage in client what to what to look for how to ask questions how to engage the client and get them to talk to you about what their hopes and aspirations are and then how we can work with them so it, it is that training is essential um, if we don't train them they're not going to know and we end up with a situation that all of the work just keeps coming back up to, to myself and we end up with a, a limited capacity and a bottleneck in, in every step of the process. So we want to avoid that and make sure that every team member is equipped to be able to deliver the consulting services and advisory at the same level and at the same, uh, on the, using the same process. Hang on, Paul. This is all a bit shocking. There might need to be a media release here. What I'm hearing is an accounting firm, a small growing accounting firm, emphasising soft skills as part of their training yeah yep absolutely. i was just i was just shocked to hear an accounting firm with a training budget mc so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's not just technical cpd no tra training's crucial and, and look again coming back to the mentoring that i got uh, early on in my career and through chartered accountants back then we, we got engaged uh, i got exposed to a lot of those soft skills very early on and i was fortunate to be able to take advantage of that and Without those skills, um, it does make it hard to deliver uh, advisory um, solutions to clients because effectively what you're delivering is just a set of numbers. Uh, but unless you can explain what they mean, how, how it has an impact, what the benefits are of what you're offering to the client and get the client to open up, then um, effectively you're back to that situation where you're just providing a compliance document for them. We want to avoid that uh, uh, under all circumstances.
So let's move now to recap. We've talked about having a really strong why with advisory, get the culture right, the mindset right, attract the right team, get the skills in place to deliver. Let's now, Paul, if we can talk about what's working well for you in selling your advisory services and what are you doing now compared to maybe ways you've done it in the past? How's that evolved for you? Oh, I think very clearly um, when we first started, we didn't have as clear a structure about um, which clients and how uh, and what. And every time we went to explain our services, it was, it was explained a different way and we were reinventing the process and there wasn't any consistency. And the frustration there is that if you don't know what you're explaining, how is your client going to understand and how are your team going to understand? And you end up re-authoring every time you do a piece of work. So, um, we, we actually, well, we worked with yourself on, the, on this MC and we came up with a much better way of explaining how we work. So we, we call it a ways we work with you diagram, but we use that diagram to uh, explain our process in a, in a visual format because a lot of people are very visual. If I just use words to explain, they're not necessarily going to grasp it. But if I can show them in a diagrammatic format, um, the the understanding seems to improve immensely. So we use that diagram to work through the process. And so as we're explaining each aspect of the diagram, we're explaining how we work with them, what the advantages are for them, and you know, uh, what the process will be and what, what steps we might take as part of that. And the advantage of having a documented process and the diagram is that every person, uh, every person that works for Predium Solutions can explain that process to our clients or our prospects. And it's explained exactly the same way each time. And when we design our services to our clients, it follows that same format. So everything we do is, is working in the same direction. So every message we put out explains that process or one aspect of that process. So we're not sending out very a, a large number of confusing messages. We've got a single focus in how we do it and everything ties back to that. So we also look at does the, pro, the service that we want to offer fit into how we deliver? Well, if it doesn't, then it's not something we should be doing. If a client doesn't want to work in that process, then it's not a client we should be working with. They should be working with somebody else. So you've got a structured, standardized, visual way of explaining your services. And speaking of visual, seeing as we're in a, an auditory format here with the podcast, um, I'd just like to point out to everyone, what we're not talking about here is service packages of, you know, three different packages, three different pies price points, a tabular display of the services and service names, which is a necessary thing because the problem with listing out services by names is their features and people just go, what does that cost? What does that cost? Paul, how would you describe the words on these diagrams? They're not describing the services you're doing. They're, they're describing... not actually words as such. We've really got an icon which represents a stage of that process or a stage where the client is. So um, looking at the first stage, well, why? Why did you go into business? What were you hoping to achieve? What are the outcomes you want? What are the frustrations you've got? And then the next stage is now. Um, so we have a different icon which says, where are you at now? What are the financial situation? What are the... The, the figures mean what's your lending situation how many hours are you working so what is that so they from we go from why to now then we go to well, quick wins momentum so we have a different icon which expresses what momentum means and we take them through that process so we go from quick wins we go through to an action plan we develop a plan for the client 
set out the steps. Who's going to do what, by when, what's the outcome we're expecting. Then we look at how we're going to monitor it. So we go to a different icon. So we have a, a mm. circular infographic which doesn't have an endpoint on it because it is a continual cycle from year to year. We're constantly reviewing. So people's needs, people's position, situations change, but we're constantly in that same process. So it's not ending, but there are eight stages to that process where we're looking at it. And one of the important things in there is how do we measure success? What does success mean to the client? And then the other question is how are you going to celebrate your success? So we want our clients to, to recognize that they've been successful because so often we look, we focus on there's more to do, there's more to do, there's more to do, or we haven't, this didn't work the way we wanted. Let's recognize the success and celebrate it. And the other key thing here uh, is to celebrate that with the whole team involved in the client mm -hmm. so we, we recognize there is a reason why we're doing it when we get to that point let's 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 say yes we've done it let's let's enjoy that and celebrate and then then we can move back on to the next step of the process i've just had a flashback paul because you know when at, at paradox when we stepped you through the process of okay let's get a visual structured easy to explain easy to understand process do you remember the first brain dump where you had a whole bunch of mixed metaphors there were metaphors in there about first aid and we're going mm, sounds like someone's just broken a bone um and you did have like three or four different metaphors that you were variously using and we what we did is we went okay what are things that people want they don't want an injury or broken leg. Let's get, a, get rid of that potentially scary analogy or metaphor. Do you remember that stage? And we went through how many iterations before we got to the... Oh, I think we went through three or four different, um, yeah, review points. But I think, yeah, initially we started with four or five different mixed metaphors and they got very confusing and there was a lot of inconsistency and no single metaphor or way of explaining actually captured the whole process. Mm. Um, and also, as, uh, you, know, you ran the risk of, if we were talking about first aid, then that would be offensive to some people. So you have to think about how you're going to explain it and what's the reaction going to be from, from your prospect. So we came up with a much better, simpler, and I, I can't remember who is famous for saying it, but you need to look at your process. And if you can't take anything more out of the process, then you've got the best process you, you could have at that time. And that's where we, we got to, I believe, is um, a process where it is very simple to understand and simple to explain, but very um, descriptive of how we're going to achieve the best result for our clients. And then once we got the words right, the, the essential wireframe, as they call it in design, it was just like a stick drawing. Uh, we then made it look on brand for you with all those icons, et cetera, that you described and all of your color palette. So it looks great. What have you found has been their reaction when you first started using this with prospective clients and when you're re-engaging existing clients, how was it received in the meeting? Oh, the uh, level of understanding of what we actually do for our clients is, is dramatically increased. Um, new prospects see much clearer, much quicker what we are about. They see, because so a lot of people come to us and say, oh, you're accountants or no, you're advisors or coaches. Who are you? And we're sort of the best of everything. Um, that's how we like to look at it in that we can explain the whole process. So we look at the accounting. Well, yes, we're accountants, so we can do all the accounting work and to get the the accounting processes working efficiently so that you can focus on the, the other things which are more important. So how are you going to grow your business? How are you going to improve your sales? But we can explain that process better. So previously before having a structured diagram, which I could present to clients and walk them through, um, I ended up having to draw things and make up, try and capture it in a, in a visual format. And it was just a disaster. Whereas now it's a very clean, um, 
proficient and professional looking approach. Uh, and you can also give that diagram to, to the prospect to take away. So we use those, um, that branding, that images in across everything. So whatever we do, whatever the services, it has to tie back in. And we can explain that to um, a client or a prospect about, okay, this, this is what we're looking at. We're looking at what your action plan is, and then this is how we're going to do it. So we can focus on a particular um, uh, aspect of the diagram. And in fact, if you, if you look at our diagram, each of those um, various points is, is almost like a spotlight on that particular phase of the process. So that does tie in quite nicely. Before we talk about lessons, one last question on this. How do you think it's affected price sensitivity on advisory? And the reason I ask that is I hear phrases from people who don't have the right mindset around advisory where they think, oh, it's a big ask to get a small business to pay extra for advisory. How have you seen by selling this process instead of a list of services has changed their perception of value? So with the, with the process, we can get somebody to accept they need an outcome or a process and they can see that. Whereas if we start talking about services, they don't necessarily, they can very quickly reject those. But if we can show through the process, we need to make some changes here and we can do some things to get you a, a quick result, some, some immediate impact. Uh, do you want that? Yes, I do. Okay, well, here's how we're going to do it. Okay, let's proceed. Um, to get the best results, are you looking to retire in three years' time? Well, we need to start looking at the plan for how we're going to get you into the best situation. Um, is that the outcome you want? Yes. Okay, well, this is the process we need to do and these are the steps we're going to do. Are you okay with that? Yes. Whereas in the past, we'd say, oh, we need to do uh, an exit plan for you. Uh, no, that sounds expensive. No, I'm mm -hmm. not going to do that. Whereas now we explain, okay, here's what you need. Here's the outcome you're after. Here's what we've got to do to deliver it. Um, are you okay with that? Yes. Okay. These are the steps, the granular parts of what we're going to do to make sure this outcome is achieved for you. So the acceptance is, is better. Uh, also the, you know, the, the fee resistance is not there because um, we're not sort of like um, adding on packages or parts to a, you know, you know, fast food takeaway where you go, oh, okay, I'll have this and this and this and this. It adds up. We're actually selling what's the solution we're trying to deliver for you. And then here are the steps we're going to take. And do you mind sharing any quantum, like a percentage of how that's affected the average dollar value of an engagement for a new client um, before and after? I think even with the smaller clients where we're, we've got a scaled down version of that process, the, the average fee we're looking at is probably four to five times for that initial um, year to two years. And then as that grows, it it, um, it, there are a lot more opportunities because as we're ingrained in that process and we're showing how we're achieving it, we're showing the benefits to them, then the next stage is, well, how do we take this further? What's the next step? Okay, well, here's what we now have to do for you. So the, the fee growth is, is there. And we're starting at an earlier point. So traditionally, you know, you, you look at a startup business and you, you set them up. And then after the first year, you review the results and talk to them, how is it going? Well, not as good as we thought. Okay, well, maybe you should try this. Um, and then this next year, you're back at the same position. Whereas our process now is when we're starting you up in business, this is what you want to do. Okay, so the first step is, okay, we've set up all your tax and compliance registrations. That's done. And we've got your accounting system in place. What is your plan and how are you going to achieve it? And then the next year, we're in a, the situation is, okay, we've put this plan in place. This is what you've done. 
what's our step for next year? So that process is delivering four to five times more revenue for us, but the value created for the client is probably well in excess of that. Um, in fact, uh, in some cases, the, the, the value increment is 10, 20, 30 times more. So maybe we should put our prices up more. <laughs> well, everyone's winning there. I was just urged, Richard was wondering, I was giving you a virtual high five there through the webcam. Um, so four to five times the, the revenue, and clearly you're not in advisory for the revenue, but every business needs revenue. But wow, that's um, a phenomenal uh, growth in average engagement. Well done. But most importantly, your clients are loving it and you're making that impact, which is why you got into advisory in the first place. Paul, there's a tremendous amount of value to unpack there, and we'll do some of that in the wrap. But I wanted to just finish my questions with, what are some of the challenges or the roadblocks you've hit? Because what we've often found at Spotlight is a lot of the advisory firms or firms that want to be on the journey, they kind of hit a road bump, and then they kind of go turtle up with the legs waving, not quite sure what to do next. You would have had some of those. So have you got anything from the dark side to share with us, um, things to avoid or things that didn't go quite as well as you'd hoped? Yeah, the, I've had the experience of implementing a consulting and advisory, um, or I guess, business or, or uh, section in two or three different accounting practices in the past. So I do have some mixed results. Um, one, one of the first problems, I guess, is taking a, pro a product or an app or a report and then trying to fit the client to that solution. I think that's possibly one of the, the areas where a lot of people go wrong and they'll try it and they'll get on board and they'll get excited and then it's not working because they haven't explained the process or the benefit to the client or why they're even doing it. And the client just looks at it and says, hey, why are you charging me more for this? You're not actually delivering any value. So you, you've not just... Uh, not implemented well, but you've also upset your clients along the process. I've seen you've actually uh, got a point we see a lot where people forget to actually deploy their own experience and expertise to the interaction and rely on a report or, or something themselves, and, th and there's no process wrapped around it. So, yeah, that's a common one, actually. Yeah, I think you've got to have an idea of how you're going to explain this to clients or to mm. prospects and um, use the, the tool, and there's some great tools. Um, Spotlight's a, a great tool. Um, in terms of how do you use that tool to to implement your process so a lot of people are looking at the tool or the apps or the tools as as the product um, instead you should be looking at what's your process and how do you use the tool in that process i think that that's a key thing and then when you design your process first you get better value out of the tool because the um, the tool actually answers a lot more of your questions whereas if you take the tool and then you try and fit the process to the tool you you don't end up with a great result the other one that's really came out to me was when I first started uh, setting up a consulting division on my own was a piece of advice about um, don't wait till you get it perfect. Because I think a lot of us are scared that we have to come across as being perfect. Um, it's very easy to use that as an excuse for not doing anything. And, and instead we made a decision that I would then go and, and uh, demonstrate this process, demonstrate the value of why we need to um, get more involved in actually advising clients and planning with them. And I did that with every single business client for that, for that business, uh, for that client, um, accounting practice I was working for at the time. And what surprised me was the clients that actually said yes. And a lot of them were the clients that I didn't think would take it up. Um, so in, we had a very high success rate and I think we had probably 70% of clients 
want some degree of additional consulting and advisory service, whether that be just a simple business plan or a cash flow forecast or, or just reviewing their figures more regularly. So having a regular monthly review of their figures and telling them what those, those figures mean. But because we weren't discriminative, uh, we didn't discriminate about clients, we offered it to every single client there, um, the take up was a lot higher. And some of the clients that we would have rejected actually turned out to be not just good clients, but they actually turned out to be advocates uh, for the firm. So that was good. That's actually a huge point and and Mm. resonates with me because I found uh, actually that my my average clients, so to speak, were often the ones who actually, if we we just asked open-ended questions and offered more. So whether you call it advisory, whatever, and I know the industry debates what we should call these things, um, but we're often uh, the ones who grasp them with both hands rather than the ones we, we had preconceived ideas about. And we actually hear a lot of firms say, oh, we don't have clients like that. Um, and I, I think that's mm-hmm. mm, debatable. Yeah, I, I remember doing this early on with one of those particular clients and I had... Um, uh, there were two directors and I only got one of them into the meeting, but he was a, the more senior director and, you know, arms folded across grumpy expression on his face the whole time. And we were going through analyzing the figures. And we, we, in this particular case, I said to him, if we grew your profit by just 1% or your revenue by just 1%, this is the effect in your profit. And I said to do that, this is, this is the simple steps we've got to take. So just if you put your price up by 1%, this is the effect on your profit. And he says to me, you can't increase your, you, you know, you can't increase your sales rate from $60 to $60 and one cent. And I said, okay, we'll make it a 50% increase or a 20% increase. I can't remember the exact figure. And then all of a sudden he, uh, his arms get uncrossed and this huge grin comes across his face. And he says, no, I'll make it, uh, I'll, I'll make it a hundred dollars because it divides better into half hour. <laughs> um, and now I followed him up in four weeks time. And I said to him, like, you were worried about the lost business when you put your price up. And uh, this was probably seven or eight years after GST, which was the last time he put his prices up, which is not a good strategy for a business. And uh, I said to him, how many clients did you lose because you put your price up? He said, none. I said, how many prospects did you lose when you quoted your new price? He said, none. I said, and how disappointed are you that you didn't put your price up earlier? And he said, extremely. Um, well, I hope, Paul, is that he invites you out on the boat that he can now afford, you know. <laughs> yeah. But that, that initial process, the next year round, after 12 months, we then went to the next stage with that business. So in both directors involved in the process, we looked at working out, okay, there are service industry, service based business um they delivered a service they had a huge client base but they were doing no follow-up marketing or no engagement with their current clients or their previous clients about repeat business and you know if they in that particular case if um um, got half of their contact base to do uh, an annual maintenance of their equipment their revenue would have gone um, increased by about 300 percent so the next step was, uh, and this is probably what people think is not accounting advice or advisory advice, but Mm. it was about a sales strategy and and a marketing strategy. And there was not a lot of involvement required because they had all the email addresses and the phone numbers, these, these prospects, and they did that process, increased their revenue. And yeah, it was a great story. Hanging fruit really. What a great example of an accountant 
widening that conversation with their clients beyond things closer to the bottom line to include things from the top line. And by asking those questions, often business owners have the answers, don't they? You just, they're often too busy to just take the time out to think these things through. But when you pose those questions, they've got the answers and then you can hold them accountable in that supportive way of that word for them to make the changes. Well done, Paul. Tell you what, you've shared some incredible gems today. I think every second of today's podcast for our Advisory Advantage listeners is uh, pure gold. I think many people will be listening to this one twice. It's a repeat watch, isn't it? Um, I'll be some notes in, see. So I'll just just, um, really quickly unpick some of it. Um, Just, you know, thrilled thrilled to have you on, Paul, and, and to have someone who's kind of been been through all stages of the journey, including running your own business, so hats off. Um, but some of the key lessons I took from this, you know, get, get mentors early, work with the best, learn what you can, you'll, you'll make mistakes, but standing still is not an option. Um, I really liked how you've, you've broken down the process and got consistency, because I think you're right that so many accountants go in ad hoc, uh, using mixed metaphors and all sorts of things, that, language that doesn't uh, make makes sense to the, the person in the street and the visual approach that you and uh, MC have been talking about, obviously a visuals man here at Spotlight, but I think the understandability uh, of visuals in, in a kind of a sales process is, is really quite powerful as well. I love that you make uh, advisory mandatory. It's not one of these, there's not the person in the corner who does advisory, it's just part of your DNA. So I think that's a mindset thing uh, as MC was talking about earlier. Getting the age and stage of the client right, having the right language, the right services wrapped around, and quick wins and momentum. I've got a section in my um, Transform book that we provide to Spotlight subscribers all around momentum. That was certainly something that resonated with me, that once you can set a cadence of advisory and get that momentum up, the fees follow, and hopefully the customer satisfaction, if you're delivering value, will follow as well. And um, what's the use of action plans repeat uh, market, marketing for additional business and follow-up. The, the, the conversation broadeners that MC mentioned that accountants so often don't do. So a uh, huge value there for anyone listening who, who wants to get into doing uh, a broader range of accounting and advisory work for their clients. Mm. Uh, Beautiful. Yeah. For me, I concur all those points. I, I love the cultural, the leadership part, the fact that uh, advisory is baked in at every level. It's like it's in your DNA. It's why you got in the profession. You're screening your team members for their kind of resonance or connection with that love of advisory in the first place. And it's not about just the most senior people in the firm over in the corner doing advisory. It's a collaborative team approach that everyone sees it as that is what you do. It's not some optional upsell. Wonderful tips. Yeah. Beautiful. It's an exciting process once you get involved in it. I get really excited about telling people and working with clients. Uh, it's a lot more enjoyable than preparing tax returns. And yeah. uh, It gets you and your team out of bed a lot faster, doesn't it, than oh, ATO statistics and things. So. Yeah, money's important, but I'd say meaning is even more important for most of us. So you're certainly ticking those two boxes. And thanks today, Paul, for sharing those tips with the, the global audience here of Advisory Advantage.